Welcome back to another episode of Kosher Money. This one is a bit different. So if you do not have a Jewish background, this episode may be a little bit more difficult to understand. We sat down once again with Rev. Yosef Kushner from Lakewood, New Jersey to discuss everything there is to know, or lots of things there is to know, about Miser, the mitzvah, the custom to give a tenth of your earnings straight to charity. What does it mean? Where does it come from? Is it a biblical commandment, a rabbinical commandment? We got into that. What are the benefits of doing it? A lot to learn in this week's episode. He is a blast. We had this episode on July 4th, so it's running a couple months later. And there were explosions in the background from the fireworks. I don't know if the microphone will pick it up, but it was a blast to listen to. And no pun intended. And yeah, if you have questions, if some of the language is a little bit difficult to understand, hit the comment section. I love when people ask questions and other listeners comment. It's awesome. This week's episode is sponsored by ApprovedFunding.com. Our friends over there can help you with mortgages, refinancing. I'm excited to you'll hear more about approved funding in this week's episode exactly from the mouth of Shmuel Shaiwitz, the president and CEO. And this week's episode is also sponsored by Kolel Chabad, kolchabad.org, doing magical things in Israel for the seniors there, for the poor families. Really awesome stuff. You'll hear about that more in this week's episode. But without further ado, I give you Rabbi Yosef Kushner. Being a Jew, awesome. Managing personal finances, not so awesome. Welcome to Kosher Money. Another returning champion. Excited to be here with Rabbi Yosef Kushner on July 4th. Fireworks exploding outside while we uh, get to the meat and bones of Miser, right? I'm sure you do receive quite a bit of uh, questions related to Miser. For the audience that may not have listened to the first episode or are unfamiliar with what exactly Meister is, what is it, where does it come from, and why are we doing a whole episode on it? Okay. Before I start, I, I want to just say that uh, last time we mentioned the little Meister, and I was blown away by the response. I got so much response. We spoke specifically about separating Meister, having a separate bank account. I don't know if you remember, and I said for many reasons, halachically as well as practically, pragmatically, it's better to separate the money. And I got, I was so blown away by the response. I, I don't know how you get it out there, but you do. Um, and it's a tremendously impactful um, service you do. So I was uh, excited to come back here. Um, before we start, I want to just say something, because this, this is a little different than all your other podcasts. We're talking halacha here. Um, this right here in uh, kosher money, um, where all the magic happens, this is not a bismedrish. You understand? So I, I do give shear, but it needs to be an abysmetrish. This is not abysmetrish. I'm not giving a shear. So what that means is I'm, I'm not going to be going through the sugis and the halachis and all mm-hmm. the, the different opinions and the proofs and the weaknesses and the strengths. And so if what I say is how I understand it and, and how I came out, and a lot of it's influenced by my father-in-law, Shlema Miller, who's a rav in Toronto. And if I say something and, and you have a different understanding or a different opinion, that's all good. Don't don't get excited. Come out <laughs> you with can email pitchforks. me. We can have it out. We can have it out. Right. I, I do. I do believe I'm right. 
and you might feel you're right. And that's all healthy, but I'm just. I think it's important um, just to keep things clear to, for the clarity. And there's always like a given. There's always a clarity versus oversimplifying. You don't want to oversimplify. I'm going to do the best I can not to oversimplify, but it shouldn't co- come at the cost of clarity, you know. And I wrote my book, um, Commerce and Shabbos. I was very, very much the top it was the English. I kept the opinions to a minimum. I said, this is this is the way it is. And that's the way I understood it. On the bottom, we have different um, things. So we're going to be in you. We're discussing the top. We're just going straight to the point of how I understand it. And um, and, and I hope uh, I hope we could clear things up for people. Is that also a disclaimer of ask your local Orthodox rabbi? Absolutely. You always ask. It's free. You might as well. Yeah. Right. Always ask your, your Orthodox. But I hope we could give um, a good background and good clarity. And uh, maybe we even could be more like people who have questions they never thought of. Right. And things like that. So okay. to your question about Meiser, we find Meiser in the Torah. Meiser is a concept that's well known in the Torah where you have to give a tenth uh, specific industries, uh, the agricultural industry in Eretz um, and, and, and animals, you have to give a tenth to the Levim. That concept is very specific that you give from the gross. Uh, now, imagine a person has a field. He gives a tenth of his fruit for Meister. A tenth of his fruit is much more than a tenth of his profit because he has cost of goods and he has labor and water and everything that goes into his field. But he gives a tenth. It's, it's flat. It's very simple. We wouldn't be having a podcast about that mm-hmm. because it'd be rather you just know how to count <laughs> and then you're good to go. But we are not discussing um, any maestro that's found in the Torah, in the Bible. We're talking about the current minig, the current custom, and we'll discuss where this came from, to give a tenth of all profit, all industries, no matter where you live. And, and that is not a gross. That's a net. And how much, and it doesn't make a difference what you do. You, most, most people I know are not in agriculture right now. It used to be very big. And no matter what you do, whether in marketing or accounting or, or legal or real estate or nursing homes, whatever it is, a tenth of what you're taking home, there's a minig to give to tzedakah. And we'll just find tzedakah whatever best we can. Now, where does that minig come from? Where does it come from? So, if is it found in the Torah? The answer is no. Is it found in the Gemara? The answer is no. It's found in some Rishonim. They bring it down as a minig. Mm-hmm. Okay, now a minig is very a minig. Me and you could have minhagim, but this is not personal minhagim. This is the minig, a minig of Klai Yisrael. And a person does not have an op, a way to opt out. And it's very interesting when you look at the history of Meiser. You really are looking at the history of the Jewish people in Gullis. The, one of the earliest authors who wrote about this is the Marami Rotenberg, and he was a great German Rishon, pioneered in codifying halacha. And some of the Rishonim, like the Rashi, explains the local Gemara. But the Gemara as a whole is massive. And how do you take all these different sugyas and codify it into halacha? So certain Rishonim did that. Uh, famously, the Rambam and uh, the Rosh. The Rosh's rabbi was the Marami Rotenberg, extremely influential, impactful Rishon. And he wrote about this minik to give Maisek Safim. Uh, and you read about the, the Maram Rutenberg, he, there was pro- pro- terrible prosecution in Germany then, uh, that was um, Rudolf, King Rudolf, he prosecuted the Yidden. Um, the Maram Rutenberg died in captivity. He died very tragically and very heroically because the Rush, his Talmud, tried to bail him out, tried, had the money, and he refused. He said it would set a bad precedent if people would stop paying a lot of money, then, then there'd be a tremendous burden on Yidden because mm-hmm. they, would, they would capture other people. He died in captivity. His Talmud, the Rush, had to leave also because of prosecution. And he went to Spain, the Rush. 
And the rush in Spain writes that there's no such minig. <laughs> when he came to Spain, there was no minig. And this is brought in the tzava of his son, Rabbi Yehuda. He says the rush was machbar on his kids. That where we come from, mm-hmm. there's a minig. We have to give my six of him, right? Now, the Kushners are from Brisk, which is in Europe. And uh, my wife's family, the Millers, are from Panovich. Where the Langers are not from Spain, are they? And Poland and They're from Poland. Germany. I, was, I figured, I mean, Gal- Gal- yeah, yeah. yeah, right, right. So me and you and, and many of uh, Yidin that we know are from, are from these parts of Europe. And we have this minig. Okay, we have this minig to, uh, about Svartim. I think a lot of uh, it became somewhat of a melting pot, and, I, and I hopefully it caught on. It's a wonderful, wonderful minute, but we don't have an option to opt out. The, the Maram Rutenberg writes, It's a minute of Klal Yisrael. Uh-huh. It's not our personal minute that we could pick and choose, or even families, some families. Some don't, right? This is our custom. It's a beautiful custom. And according to most Hashem, that's all it is. It's not a custom. Some shittas holds their abundant, and uh, the Grah writes, maybe it's more than that, but... Um, in Shulchan Aruch, when you go through it, you come out, it's a meaning that we cannot be mevatel, and we don't want to be mevatel. It's a wonderful thing. So that's the history of the Jewish the people in Meiser. So yeah. when, when the Gemara in Tainus, uh, Daf Tess, Amir Aleph, talks about Meiser and... Okay, great question. W- w- what are we talking about? Is that about? not a source? Right, great. Okay. I'm happy to ask that, because uh, I get a lot of confusion about that. <sighs> There's two things, and I, I'm, I'm going to try to say this as clearly as I can. Every mitzvah in the Torah that you have to spend money... You have to spend, even if it means till a meiser or a chaymish. Very similar to tzedakah, right? You open a shulchan aruch in the day, it's in reish memtes, reish nun aleph. How much should I give for tzedakah? A meiser. Okay, mm-hmm. now what does that mean? That means as follows. Um, you, you're in your business. I'm just going to use it as an example. This is just an example. You're in your business, and you don't get a lot of phone. You're doing well, but you're not, you're not on the grid as one mm-hmm. of these famous uh, wealthy fellows. And... You make a fortune of money, okay? And you're having, uh, you have a simcha coming up, and you just spend $2 million on a simcha, okay? So instead of uh, $2 million in your bank account, you right now have just a few thousand dollars, mm-hmm. okay? Now it comes, someone knocks on the door, and, and now all of a sudden people find out you made a big, right? You have to give meiser. You give meiser, like all mitzvahs in the Torah, you give what you have. That money's gone. Let's say it comes Arab Sukkot now. You have to buy a esrig. You have $100 in the bank. Why do you have $100 in the bank? Because I already spent $2 million on my wedding. Mm-hmm. So how much do I give? How much do I have to spend to get a good esrig? A tenth. Till a fifth. Of the money you have. It's on a cash flow basis. You understand? The money that was gone, I had a right to use it. There wasn't Sukkot yet. Mm-hmm. There was no poor people. But then there's a minig. And this minig is, it goes on a cruel, a cruel. It's a debt. As soon as money comes in, you have an obligation. If you spend it, that's fine. You still have an obligation for all the money that came in. That you don't find. Mm-hmm. Instead, and that is the minig of Klai Yisrael to give meiser. So a person's making money. You could spend the money. But you have, and you have a ledger. Mm-hmm. Understand? Old fashioned was a ledger. I tell people now have a bank account. Understand? And that bank account is owed money. And if you what you have and how you spend it, you have to look at what came in. Whatever comes in, a ten percent has to be set aside. If you spent two million dollars, if you made two million dollars, you owe two hundred thousand dollars. Now, what happens if you blew it on a chasana or blew it on something? You still owe two hundred thousand dollars to my. So, uh, you understand what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah. So that's the difference. The difference is all other mitzvahs in the Torah. You look in Simon Tafresh Nandal by Tafresh Nandal by Esraigim Chaymesh, but we don't count what you made. We count what you have now. If you spent the money before Sukkot, but now you have Sukkot, you have to buy it. You're looking at the money in your bank account, spend up to a tenth, but it doesn't work like that. You, you have to, you have a debt, 
And that's the meaning of, of Meiser. Since we recorded that episode last year, almost 12 months ago, I created a separate bank account called Meiser. And anytime money comes in, I take um, a tenth of that and right. put it towards this bank account. And then if someone asks for money or tzedakah is needed, I dish out from that particular account. Right. So this Gemara in, in Tainus talks about... Um, Testing the Rabbanu right? It, where it says, I, I think it's Rabbi Yechanan, mm-hmm. he says, with anything you, you cannot test. <laughs> yeah, right, that you could test me with this. But this you can actually test HaKadosh Baruch right. What does that mean? That, does that mean that it's it's a promise it, it, to, to someone who is giving a tenth of it? Because there are people listening that, that have a lump in their throat and and they're nervous because okay. they're just scraping by as it is and now we're asking to take a tenth that means every thousand dollars that comes in I'm taking a hundred dollars and giving it to charity but here you Hashem is promising that go ahead and test right, me right so like we mentioned last time um, and if there's one thing we come out from this podcast and, yeah. and, and I said this last time yeah. and I was so happy that I got so much response and I'm happy that you did that the first thing you should do and you, you said a lot of things in, in this last uh, question of yours but because you mentioned maybe a person can't afford it and we'll get yeah. to that but the first thing you need to do no matter what your income is is you need to have a place a bank account to deposit 10% okay that's the first thing the the Tashbats who was in Spain it's very interesting. People, people bring this. There's a Tashbatz. Tashbatz is also from the Rishonim. A little later, he was in Spain, and he discusses the, the halachas of uh, Meiser. And people say, "Oh, you see the zechiyah of Meiser Safim." And if you read it, he's talking about a person who made a neder to give Meiser, because in Spain there was no such minig. But one guy went and he said, "I'm giving Meiser Safim," and then he wrote to the Tashbatz, "How does it work?" Because they weren't aware how it works. And it's a wonderful chuba. I have it over here. He um, Tashbatz writes. And this is what, this is uh, directly to your question. Yeah. He writes um, when you when you when you menada uh, when you say a, a vow that you're going to give tzedakah. So who do you give to? So he goes through the seder. You know, people who are near you, your relatives come before, and he says A person doesn't have kids to give. He needs the money. Greatest thing, he says. You separate the money, and you are the first one in line if you need it. Mm-hmm. So that's the first answer. Everyone should give meiser, and if you go first, then you go first. And then if you have relatives, then they go. And then if they have neighbors, then they go. And and, and we're not going to go through the whole seder of because that gets complicated. But the the point is, is that, and that's one of the, the among the many reasons why a person has to separate meiser. If you don't do that. You just, unless a person can't afford to give meiser right now, and Mitz Shem, he'll do he'll do better and he'll, be, he'll he will afford, and he doesn't separate his meiser. So what is he doing? What's his relationship with meiser? Zero. He's not giving meiser. Yeah. But if you have a meiser account, you're always giving meiser. You're giving meiser, and you'll see when you're giving meiser, there'll be money to give away. You'll see. I've seen it, and people have spoken to me. I've seen it, and try to just you know, in risk in business, you take a little risk. Try to try to push the envelope a little. And you'll see, you'll, it'll just, it'll come, it'll come. And I, I spoke this last time that, you know, we look at it con- very, very conventionally, very that like the money comes into your main bank account and that triggers that you give money to the Meister account. And it's, 
people who are people who have Meister accounts and people who are giving Meister Kaseder, they will tell you it's the exact opposite when you take money out of your Meister account and you give Stucker that triggers a whole new avalanche of money that comes into your main account and it's just it's a gilgal and it starts happening. But the first step is whether you do have extra money or you're not sure if you have extra money, separate a Meister account and give Meister and then you're first in line. You brought up a good point which I think is worth uh, reiterating in that one should not wait until the end of the year to ledger out and figure out how much Meister he owes on the previous year because you could potentially be talking about tens of thousands of dollars which might be difficult to collect in like a single... Like taxes, like taxes. Yeah, taxes People exactly. get walloped at the end right. of the year and they're like, what am I going to do with this tax bill? Right, right, right? right. That's how it is. Even right. though they knew there's a tax bill right, coming. Right. 100%, 100%. Yeah, there's a very important concept. We'll get to the, we'll get to the halachas of the concept because it's going to be a lot of answers to a lot of your questions. But there's a concept in halacha that the place can bring, and besides the halachic context perspective of it, it's it's a beautiful perspective, and it's it's from the Chavis Yair. He's back and forth. He has a tshuva with with David Oppenheim, who was the Avbezdin of uh, Nicholsburg in the 1700s, and he says as a it's one of the groundbreaking tshuvas for modern day businesses and how to been, um deductions for mice, mm-hmm. and we'll discuss it. But he gives a general formula, and when people call me if I have time, I, I always try to give them the formula, because first of all, they won't call me back. They have the formula. <laughs> but be, more, more than that, if they don't know why it's like that, they don't know when the situation changing would change the halachas. It's, it's important, I believe, to try to give a basic formula. So we're giving now a formula. How do you work with deductions and stuff? And that is, is that he says, And he says like this, the way you look at it is, you are taking an investor into your business. And the Rebbeinu Shalom, Hashem himself, he is, has an investment in your company. Now, if you have an investment, an investor, he has to have a separate bank account. And it should be an official thing. You have an investor, the Rebbeinu Shalom is investing in your company. Now, when you do that, you, you think about how you sanctify, you know, your, your, your company. You know, I, I, had a, I had a funny story, this Arab Rosh Hashanah. You know, do I have a minig? In your shul, they say, they make hataris cherem, and mitchayafte benidir mevakish hatar malaschem mutalach mutalach. Okay, there's a million yeshivas. I think yeah. it's spread to shuls now. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Ten people and they say mutalach mutalach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not not hataris nedar. Hataris cherem. Oh, in addition. I'm sorry. No, no, oh. I, I don't think we have the hataris cherem. Hataris nidui. I'm talking about. Yeah, no, I don't okay. think. Okay. Anyways, there's a million yeshivas. What, 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 there's there's certain various. Lailainu, a person could do anything, which means Hashem almost looks at him like, you're not part of the Jewish people. And that's not a good place to be. So, on every Hashanah, a person's coming in front of the king. So, we have this Hataras Nidui. It's, it's a minig, and you get, and like the whole shul sits around, and you always need 10 people at all time, because it's for Cherem, for, 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 for three is not enough, you need 10. And you say, if, if I'm a Chuyiv in excommunication, I want it to be broken. And everyone says, mutalach, mutalach, mutalach. Okay, fine, this is what we do, fine. So, now it's a little awkward, like sometimes two people get up at the same time, you know, it's not really organized. Anyway, so I was sitting there, and at one point I noticed two people got up at the same time, and usually once one son starts talking, the other guy stops. But two guys got the whole thing off at the same time. So I was watching this, and everyone said, mutalach, mutalach, mutalach. Now, Really, in halacha, when two people say something at the same time, we say, you can't hear two things at once. If it would be like a real mitzvah, like shoifra, I would say, excuse me, you got to do that again. But this is just a minute. We'd also have to say, <laughs> right, right, right. So, so, 
So, I saw this happening, and I didn't, you know, I didn't, I didn't say anything. It's just right. a minute, I, I, you know, I'm not going to rock the boat. Everyone, you know. But then someone came over to me, and he says, did you see, two people said at the same time, I said, yeah, I noticed that. So this guy says, is that okay? So I said, once you're asking, I don't think it's very okay. I don't think two people can do this at once. <laughs> you know what I mean? If no, we, we do it like wholesale. We don't do it like, you got to do it one at a time. So I, I think both of them didn't work, because no one heard either one. So I see he runs over to one of the guys, and he like slaps him back in. He's like, you got to do it again. Hmm. So the guy did it again. So then, that was it. So then I asked him, I said, the other guy is also no good, right? So he's like, no, no, no. I invest money with this guy. I cannot have him. Uh-huh. <laughs> and you see what happens? If you have someone who invests uh-huh. with someone, he's invested. Right. He's like, I can't have this guy. <laughs> you know? I'm, I was like, what do I have That's to do with funny. the other guy? Right? No, not in a bad way. It's just, you right. know, he was looking out for him. You know? right. And if we could take the Rebunishon into our business, into our income, sure. think about that. You know, like sometimes Khalila, it could be a kitrik. A kitrik means like... Um, Something bad that the malachim, something comes up. You know, the rebellion, excuse me, this is my business. You know? Right, right, right. The rebellion like, I'm invested in this business. Right, you pick right. on someone else, you know. So imagine the siyat tishmai you could have. And, and we'll discuss the halachas about it because he's not even so much coming with tzadashkof. He's coming with said how a person should look at the expenses. You know, how a person should look at it. Right. You know, so you think about like a, I don't know if there's any questions, but, but a person has a business and it does very well and it makes money. And he keeps it in the business. And then, unfortunately, things change, and he loses the money. And now he has a question. Does he have to give Meiser on the mm-hmm. money he made, right? And, and you think about it practically like you have an investor. Imagine you have an investor, and you gave um, distributions. What's it called? Stock um, dividends. You gave dividends, right? Imagine Apple gives dividends. Mm-hmm. And then they have a terrible downturn. They call the money back. The money's by the investor. That's exactly how it is. If you didn't give it out, then the investors don't get. Then the miser doesn't get. And, and, and that's that, sure. that's what the price can say. That's what the price can say. They work halacha like this. You have a shutif. If you gave miser, means you took it and you put it in the bank. This your investor has the money. There's no capital calls to Rebbeinu He's he's helping enough. So so it's it's a good frame of, of of reference. It's a good place to start. You understand when you have questions about taxes and expenses and all these type of things, you have an investor. When the investors get money and you get money, the Rebbeinu gets money. If not, run your business. Run it like a machine and make money. And when you do, the Rebbeinu gets his 10%. Oh, up to 5%. I'm loving the fireworks in the background. <laughs> right. it, it just, you know, Anu Ratzim Vehem Ratzim. And we're, we're here <laughs> popping fireworks inside. Um, yeah, and, and to your point about having an investor, yeah. I was talking to a friend and he said he's an 80% majority owner in the business working every day and he has 20% uh, silent partner that's just taking, he's reaping benefit from it. And people, he said, people come over to me like, what do you need that 20% guy and we're just buying him out, yeah. you don't need him. And he says, no, every time he goes to shul davening for, for Parnassa, he's davening for me too. Yes, he had to he's an invest, I'm an investor in his tefillahs. So it, it works uh, I had both a guy ways. Call me, I, had a guy, I had someone call me about, there was a, a big god Lenart's fellow who was Nifta. I'm not going to say a name because it's a negative family, but he, uh, big Godlinite Svav, daily, daily Svav was Nifter. And this person called me, he said, I want, and this guy is a very, very um, big, a very wealthy person. And um, and I've been helping him with Chavez from the start. I, I'd like to think that, you know, he, this person, mysterious Nefesh, closed the business on Chavez. He is so big now. And he called me, he said, I went to this Godlin, and I told him I wanted to be a partner with me, because I want his, I want Siyad Deshman. And I gave him, 
I said, you're a partner, and he gets distributions. And now he was Nifter. He's like, do I have to start tracking down all the children that they, mm-hmm. they were Yerush that X percent, whatever that is, you know? And that was his question. And I said, that's a beautiful, I didn't know people do that. He, you know, he's like, yeah, I have investments all over, all Rosh Hashivas, they're investors with me. Isn't that a great that's question? Beautiful. That's a great concept. But that's not a new concept. The original concept is what the Chavaz says, all mice is like that. The Rebbe is our partner in our business, you know, in uh, something called Klikhoidish. You know, people, they want to go into holy work. If you have a business and you're giving Meiser, I believe you're in Klikhoidish. <laughs> you work with the Rebbe You have a better thing to do. You're working with the Rebbe I love that. Starting a new company and having the ability to dole out percentage points right. to Avrechim in right. Eretz Yisrael. Right. You know, it's, it's, yeah. it's beautiful. And that, that's another thing why... You should have a bank account. You can't have a partner without a bank account. Right. It's real. He gets and he gets and he right. gets. And your brother gets, you know? Right, right. <clears throat> Beautiful. Um, Besides yeah. the practical, I don't mean to cut you off, I'm sorry. Go ahead, but go ahead. The practical, the practica- practically, when money accrues in a bank account, it, 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 it's so much easier to give money. The checks go faster. And also, you, I want people, I really do, I want people to see the bracha. And you're going to see it, the this, this, this symmetry of the bracha. When you have a bank account, you're going to give, and it's never going to get empty. And you'll see it when you have a bank. If you don't have a bank account, you're not going to see it. This is besides the, the Birke Yosef, who famously writes that the halacha of, of Maisek Safer mimics the Maisek of the Torah. And the Torah is a mitzvah to be, you don't just give, it's a mitzvah to separate. And the, the Rabbanon, the, the minik is to mimic that. You understand? So you also, you separate and, and it's a mitzvah to separate, you understand? So there's a mitzvah to separate, and it makes it clear that there's a shutfis, and it's easier to give, and you'll see the bracha. And you see, the Rabbani Shalom has a chalik in my business. It's, it's, a, it's a beautiful thing, and I, 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 I hate to say this, but I, I find a lot of times that people who don't separate it, they, they don't really give maizah. And I want to tell you something. When I tell you, when I tell people, this is a very important point I want to say. When I tell people, if you're not separating... You're not really giving meiser. They say, I give how much money, I'm giving meiser. They don't have a cheshmer. You should know like this. Imagine you have a company and you're giving nice donations. Uh, let's say it's not even a Jewish company. A Gentile company, they make donations here, donations here. But they have no obligation to do it. That's not what meiser is. Meiser is not giving a tenth of your money. Meiser is accepting the obligation to give it. It's, it's more than that. Mm-hmm. So don't tell me... I give, I give, I give. You need to obligate yourself to give. You don't have a partner if you can't money. You know what money means. You can't yeah. if you can't obligate you to pay. A partnership means that the partner comes and says, we're doing distributions, give me my money. Mm-hmm. That's what a partnership is. You want to give maestro, you say you give maestro, that means you are accepting an obligation to give 10%. When you accept it, and, and like I said, give 10% into that account. And if, you, if you're scared, you won't make it, Fine, you'll line up first, but accept that obligation. 10% goes to the account. Don't say, I give my sir. And I hope you do give it. It's a beautiful thing to give to Tucker. But when we talk about my sixofum, we talk about it as a obligation that you accept upon yourself that I am shutfin with the Rebbein and he gets 10%, and he knows it. <laughs> and then he'll stick out. He's, I'm getting my 10%. Um, <clears throat> I, I have heard stories where people, same with budgeting and spending, People say, I know how much I'm spending. They do a calculation, and they're really overspending. And I've heard the same when it comes to Meister, where people have said, oh, I give Meister, and then they go ahead and do a calculation, and they're really underspending. Right, right. Really have to uh, think it out. Um, But you spoke about um, 
potentially where Meiser goes and you're the first to line up, assuming someone doesn't need to take back that Meiser. Right. Um, where should someone give it, right? We talk about the needy of their own city. We talk right. about um, a cousin who may be in dire straits and needs right. the money. Um, so, we speak about passions that are stucks that are close to their heart overseas. Right. We, you know, ha- should someone strategically be thinking about it or no? Ten percent. Whoever comes first, I'll give it to, and I'm not without a cheshman. So, so th- there's rules. There's klalim about this. Um, your, your family definitely goes first, um, and there's 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 you see. Different, there's Chnasas Kala, right? Now, and there's Tzarechi Shabbos, and there's so many beautiful things. And all of them, all of them have their schoolers. Schoolers means there's a certain, certain treasure that you get by giving that, and, and, and it's Ma'ir Rachim. And a person should really, like in business, a person should be diverse, you know? But I do want to show you because I mentioned that Rabbi Yehuda, the son of the Rush, when they moved to Spain, so he wrote out a whole tzavah from his father, that his father told him that we give Meiser. And, and I noticed some, this, my, my, actually my accountant sent me this. He said, "This is on. This is actually this, people don't know about this. This Savoy is on display in the museum in Britain, and uh, and it's one of the main recurrences, in my opinion, that, from the that you have to get my But I love it that Rabbi Kushner's <laughs> accountant is sending in my <laughs> yeah, He's like, I didn't want to see this. I'm like, oh, this is the greatest thing. Yeah. But something I noticed when I was looking through it, um. He, he writes like this. He, he, he writes about how his father told him to give Meiser. And he says, um, <clears throat> he says, what? This is how he describes it. He describes Meiser. He says, you give a tenth to people that are toiling in Tyre. So I just, I, again, everybody has their things that are close to them and they should follow that because it adds meaning to their business and that's an important thing I want that they should feel that their business is sanctified unapologetically I am from the school of thought and I've heard this from many wealthy people who've heard this who's, when they spoke to Rav Shach about this is that a person should really make a doggish on on Leimde Torah and Marbite Torah Marbite Torah people who teach Torah you know this is that 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 golden chain of generation to generation to generation of learning Torah to the point that you could teach the next generation. You look at the Jewish people like a, like a human body and every part's needed, but the heartbeat of the Jewish people is the Torah and the people who teach Torah. And if you could have a chalik in that, and if, like I said, it should be spread out somewhat diverse and there's halachas about relatives, but a person who could have a chalik in harbatsa Torah, that, that's... That's just, in my opinion, that is the crown jewel. You know, and every community, the crown jewel of the community is the shul, is the kail. And, you know, and if it's a local kail, then you could go to the rich kail and say, if there's a, a special young man and he needs money for yamtif or for he's making a chas and I want to help with that. You know, I, I'm t- saying personally, again, everyone, <laughs> I'm just saying personally because I'm personally here. I like to give money that makes a difference. And when I say that, I mean, not the people, not, not the, you know, not the people who invest a lot of marketing and they I like to find the people that are not, they're just, you know, you know who you're giving it to mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and you say, how do I find them? Keep your eyes open and they'll find you and you'll find them and, you know, these special people, you'll come across special people and, and you should keep your eyes open to them and and if you could help them, I mean, that's the Lushen of the Rush, you give it to them, if you could help them, you you have a chelik in Abbot Satera, you know, and, and Halavai, it would be great if 
everybody could teach Tyra and but not everyone could teach Tyra, but you should you should connect to it somehow. And if you could give to Kailim and Yeshivas and, and Young Alight and, and you know and people say, you know, I wanna invest in Chesed, you know. I'm in a I'm in a Bezdin, you know. If I if I would tell you how when there's conflict, and sometimes unfortunately there's conflict, monetary conflict with families, mm-hmm. you know, we call their abonim a lot of times because they are already knowledgeable of what's going on. The Rabbanim are the greatest tzaddikim. That's what I believe. That the, the, the chesed Rabbanim do, the amount they give for people, you know, the 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 Rosh Hashivas, the Rebbeim, the Menalim, the, the chesed that these people do, they are literally living for other people. Mm-hmm. If you can help these people grow, it's hard. It, you know, if you're going to be a, a rav and if you're going to be a marbitz teira, it's hard to be involved in business and also to be involved in that. Some of these people need help. A lot of them Baruch Hashem are set up. Uh, month to month, when it comes Pesach and Sukkot and Chasinahs and things, you can help them, you know? Mm-hmm. You should get involved and help them, and these are special things, and 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 Koylim and Koylim uh, and well. But again, I, I like uh, I like when I feel like uh, it's going to someone who's making a difference. You know, when I'm saying people who don't have access a lot of times to, mm-hmm. to, to do it, you know, they don't, ha- they don't have a marketing team. Right, know? oh, interesting, <laughs> interesting. We'll be right back to this week's episode, but first... If someone asked you, what's the most shoplifted item in Israel, what would you say? Food. What type of food? Get this. It's infant formula. It's the most shoplifted item in Israel. And there's a reason for that. A lot of families desperately need it. And there is one organization that's teaming up with the team of Israel, or the team at Kol Chabad is teaming up with Israel, and they're creating a national program. They now have, they sent it to me, 3,150 families have begun getting free baby formula, and there are a lot more families that need this program. So if you could donate $10, $10 shekel, $100, the money goes a long way, and it goes to people in need. Kol Chabad actually called us up. Someone had listened. They weren't even Jewish, and... Granted, our episode is geared more towards Jews, but we have listeners from all over. They heard the episode and they do- they donated upwards of five to ten thousand dollars. I didn't get the exact amount, but we're talking thousands and thousands of dollars just because of an ad that ran on this um, show, and that money goes directly to the people in need. So, baby formulas when kids were stuck in hospitals and they couldn't go to camp. Kol Chabad is there. They bring the fun and the activities to the hospitals. They're doing so many things to help uh, people in need, whether it's money, smiles, um, food, you name it. They're there. If you're in Israel, I highly recommend you go check them out. I'm excited for the next time I'm going to be in Eretz Yisrael to Israel so I can visit Kol Chabad and see it up close and personal. So thank you so much. Head over to kolchabad.org. It might even be kolchabad.org slash kosher money. One or the other, hit the show notes. You'll click there and you'll learn more about them and try to give a donation. Even if you, uh, you know, can only give five bucks, a dollar, it goes a long way. You can do a recurring donation, 18 bucks, $36, 100 shekel, whatever the exchange rate, your exchange for that money is a real mitzvah, a real good deed, and uh, you should have the blessing to always be on the giving side. And now back to this week's episode. Um, so let's talk some practical questions. I did ask on my WhatsApp status, and yeah, 
wanted people to submit questions, yeah. and I fielded a bunch, and you sent in a bunch that people have been asking you. Yeah. Um, in no specific order, um, for those that, that do have a business, they're involved in a corporation and LLC, the way it works with taxes is even if you're taking $100,000 home, but your business profited $200,000, even if you know the next year you invest that money back into the business, you'll be taxed on $200,000. Does it work the same with regards to MICER, or is it really what you put in your pocket regardless of what the business has? I, I, like, to, I like to simplify it that if there would be an investor, would he get a distribution? I, 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 hate, I, I know it sounds like I'm oversimplifying, but it's a very simple thing. When you would shoot out money to the investor and he takes that money, now, you should know, when the investor has to pay income tax, we, we take that off. Basically, all the money that comes into the pockets of the investors, minus the taxes, they minus have to the pay taxes. on that income, that, that also is mukhiv and maiser. That's also mukhiv and maiser. And um, that's, that's, in my mind, the, the simplest way how to do it. Right. So in this case, he would not be getting a distribution. So in this case, he's taking he home $100,000. A person goes and he, you know, a person buys, if we simplify business to... Uh, to uh, a grocery, he, he sells a milk, he buys milk for a dollar, he sells it for two dollars. Takes his two dollars, he just made a dollar, right? But he takes his two dollars and he buys more milk, right? And he keeps, mm-hmm. and he's growing, right? You can't be giving mice every time you make a dollar, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and, and if it would be like that, you'd have to have, you know, an accountant, a miser accountant. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there's such a thing even. So we, we have to look at it practically. The business is making money, you didn't take it out yet. And if the investor wouldn't take it, then neither does mice get it. And again, this is the very, very broad general rules that I'm seeing in the Chavis I see this, Shem says these words as well, that you'd look at it like a shutfis, and, and that's the way I understand it, that when you take money out, the, the, you also have to give maiser. But with that said, it's not, it's not, sometimes you take money out and it goes back like a, a 1031 in real estate. You're familiar with 1031s in real estate? I've, I've heard it. Okay. Like, I'd like to be more familiar with 1031s, but that's so for another a person, episode. A person buys a building for a million dollars, and then and he sits on it for 50 years. Eventually, he might sell it for $10 million or $20 million, and he's about to get whacked with a massive tax bill, and that's the worst. So what he does is you could take the $10 million and not take it, kind of not take it, and you, you fold it into another real estate deal. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a very big question. So now what happens? Now, practically speaking, it's very difficult to give mice when there's no cash flow. You understand? But essentially... It's also hard to pay your bills, but that's a separate right, question. Right. No, but there is cash flow, meaning the next, building, next business is also maybe making money, but the $10 million cash flow is not there. Right. So mice is a million dollars. It's just not here. My father-in-law holds, technically, you just took the money. It's two different investments. It's not the case of leaving money in a business. Real estate, each investment is a separate business, each LLC, right? It's a separate business. Each one works differently. You look at it, gets its own financing, its own terms, its own performance, right? Technically, you just monetized. You monetized the, the building. Now, before you monetize, let's just be clear because I really skipped a step. You buy a building for a million dollars. Now it's worth $10 million. You have Meister. So you don't give Meister until you monetize. So as long as it's in the, you know, when, when I was a kid, we used to have like a few stocks, right? And, if we, went, and we used to call up to hear where the stock is. And when we want money, we'd be like, oh, he made money. And my mother always says, you don't make money until you sell. <laughs> you can go down tomorrow. You make right. money when you, sell, when you buy low and you sell high. But when you buy low and it goes up, you didn't make money. 
And so, that's why, how, so why is the building any different? The building's it, not different. It's but not, when you monetize, means you, you sold it. Now you just decided instead of taking cash, you essentially rolled it into another investment. Uh-huh. That's called monetization. You understand? So in that case, he should he should give mice. Take, now he should only invest nine million into the next building and take that one million. But he can't because he's been hit with the full tax bill unless everything's rolled in. But we so got to pay. Stuck. I'm trying to find liquidity right, right, to pay right. the mice. Right. So I, t- I actually spoke to my father and I told him. I said, in my opinion, if you have a shutfis, this is a little complicated why it's like that. But we see this music. When you have a shutfis, which means you have partnership, real partnerships, not uh, not mice partnerships, people partnerships. The money of the shutfis is not considered to be yours. So if you take the money of the shutfis and roll it all together, sometimes they do that, they roll all together into 1031, uh-huh. then you never actually took it out. Uh-huh. You understand? But let's say we do a distribution. You take your money, he takes his money, and my chalik, I'm rolling in. Really, you should give my sir. Now, let's say you can't. What do you do? So this is a very important uh, thing, and I've heard this many times, and I found this in some I've heard this many times from my father-in-law. Because it's only a minig, it's way more flexible. It's how I'm a cobble. How am I a cobble? So if, if a person is in, doing 1031s and he can't, he should say in front of three people ahead, yeah, I'm a cobble to give my answer, but the 1031s, I'm giving it on the end. I can't. If I can't, I can't. You understand? And there's a certain flexibility we have. I'll give you an example. Some Seifer says, could my go for mitzvahs? In other words, there's people that are not so from, they're, not, they're becoming religious, they're not poor, and I want to go and buy them to film. Could, could I give, take it from my sir? I would it's a good say, question. Uh, yeah, I didn't ever even thought of it. The question. I yeah. would say, of course, yes. You could. You, right? You're using but, it for uh, traditionally, my sir. It's tucker. It's tucker. It's for poor people. So some service is a wonderful thing. He says when you're talking about the mitzvah tucker, let's say matanas laniim and things like that. Matanas avyonim. You can't buy tefillin, right? When we talk about my sir, it's a minute that you makabel. Mm. The person has the right to say, that's how I was makabel. Mm. You're not even mavatel the minute. But you could shape it, <laughs> and you could direct it. And that's what he says. So a person says, I'm a Kabbal to give my sir, but this is very meaningful for me. I want to buy film for, for people that are not yet from it. Sits, whatever it is, you could do that. So we see a certain flexibility. You know? So even though we were giving a whole background sheer about a person has to give my sir, it's a minute, but the, the academic angle of the sugi really plays out la halacha, which means that a person has a certain flexibility. So this is something I heard about the 1031 as well, that some people, it's not like, I can't, right. I just can't. So if you can't, then you can't. So then you should say, I'm, I'm my Kabbalah my of giving my sir. Now, my, my, my father-in-law is saying is really, the basic klolim, it really, I'll give you another example. You're familiar with the whole syndicating, uh, real estate syndication. So you have one, one, one guy is taking money from investors, and, and he's, he's putting the deal together, he takes a point. A point means he takes 1%. He takes 1% he can put in his pocket. But lately, people are confessing that he's taking so much money up front, putting his pocket, so he says, okay, I'm going to put it in the deal. So he takes a percent and he goes into the deal. Is Mokhiv and Maeser on that? The answer is, of course he's Mokhiv He took 1%. What do he do? It's a separate... He basically brokered a deal. Brokers are doing it. Brokers are getting in on the action. Mm-hmm. And they're saying, I didn't monetize. You did monetize because... Your percent in the building is came from from really you have right to money and you rolled it in for whatever reason into the deal because you think it's a great deal. Essentially, you monetized your brokership. Wouldn't it matter though if practically he's able to access that money in real time? Meaning that money had to go into the deal. 
He doesn't have access to that. To it that. didn't have to go into the deal. That's what I'm trying to say. Oh, if, These syndicators uh-huh, did not uh-huh, have to go. They uh-huh. just put it into the deal. Uh-huh. It didn't have to go into the deal. But you're right. If their syndication fee is only allocated as a real estate thing, then essentially they have to monetize that. In terms of someone who is wealthy and has the ability to give more than a tenth, is there something such as too much tzedakah? And if so, how much should be the limit for someone who could okay, afford so it? This, you have now touched on a great controversy. Um, the Gemara says, A person should not give more than a fifth. Which means if he gives more than a fifth, He's going to come on to need help from other people. He's going to give away too much money. Which Not if he has a hundred right, million dollars. Okay, so, so okay, so that's what you're saying. So you're writing amendments now to the topic. <laughs> oh, sorry. But sorry. the Gemara doesn't say that. Right. So first of all, I want to just point out that the mitzvah tzedakah, which is brought in the Gemara so many times, it's such a hush of a thing. The Gemara was so careful how how a person should never come on to other people. You know, and when we dive in, it's a very important thing because people don't realize how the Torah how how the Torah has that capital capitalistic. Outlook that that people should be self-sufficient. People shouldn't have to come on the other. It's important for, for it's important for a person's covet, a person's covet abrius, that uh, you know personal dignity. You should never have to come on to people. We're very very careful about that. And even when it comes to doing a mitzvah like tzedakah, a person shouldn't give to the point where he might have to come on to other people. Now let's discuss your question. Your question is: Can you give more than a fifth? Mm-hmm. The Gemara says. If you give more than a fifth, you have to come on to other people. So you're saying, he's not coming on to other people. Could he give more than a fifth? So this is a very famous opinion of the Chafetz Chaim, and he says, Aisha Godel can give more than a fifth. Someone who's very wealthy can give more than a fifth. I would like to think many people are approaching their Rav in this position yeah. and saying, please, yeah, I'd speak, like speak to give to you, more tzedakah. <laughs> you know, I, I, I hope, hope this, so. I I hope hope this so. is... Uh, Rav Moshe Feinstein and Igris Moshe... Um, he famously writes, the Gemara says it's an Isser, and it's an Isser. And he says, you can't give more than a fifth unless specific things. We're talking about Pekuach Nefesh, Pidyan Shvuyan, redeeming someone who's in jail, which also is a type of, of saving someone's life. He says, the Gemara is, is mashma, it's an Isser. It's not an Eitzah Toiva. Terry's not, uh, not giving you advice. I want to just say, this is, you know, I'm throwing this out as a question. General question. Anyone who could ever answer this question, I'm willing to, I'm waiting. The Gemara says uh, an exception. You're allowed to give more than a fifth. A person's allowed to give more than a fifth when he's, da- when he's, at, his, when he's at his deathbed because mm-hmm. then he doesn't need the money. This is the Gemara says. So the Gemara says, Ma'ukva, give more than a fifth. So the Gemara says, Hadam Ukva, Ma'ukva was a Nasi Shabisra. Hadam Ukva, give more than a fifth. So the Gemara says, Bishas Misa, you're allowed to give more than a fifth. So I once was by someone, a big, a big uh, God Israel, and I said, I have a riddle. The Gemara says, Ma'ukva gave more than a fifth when he was dying. And only was allowed to do it because he was dying. The Gemara says, Ma'ukva, the Gemara, Ma'ukva was a Nasi Shav Yisrael. It's a halacha psuka. A Nasi has to be very wealthy. A Nasi Shav Yisrael, we don't have him to see him now, but a Nasi Shav Yisrael has to be very wealthy because he doesn't have to come on to anybody and bribes, he doesn't have to, he doesn't need from anybody. That's the Gemara, that's the halacha. A Nasi has to be very wealthy. I said, you have him before Shav Gemara, but Ukva was a bit wealthy because he was a Nasi. Mm-hmm. He wasn't allowed to give more than a fifth. Besides, when he was dying, he said, but this is a controversy. And I told this person, and I believe there's a truth to what I'm about to say, and that is, is that, you have someone who's very wealthy or not very wealthy, it, it should give an amount, like what, fifth, what's a fifth? Depends how much money you make. But 
we want people to, we don't want people not to work, you know. And imagine it says you should give 50%. At some point, and this is why, and this is my, uh, my capitalistic, uh, to, uh, my capital-inclined uh, uh, self-talking, is that it's not healthy. To, you're not going to go to work at some point. You're only giving 40%. They're not going to, you know, how much money is the IRS let it garnish? If, uh, they only let it garnish 20%. Because you know why they say? One in 20% of the guys not going to work. And then we get nothing. <laughs> oh. And that's, in a sense, that's also Yavaz. It doesn't mean dollars and cents. We want you to continue working. You understand? Mm-hmm. So this is controversial. And uh, the Chavetz Chaim says, um, you can. And Moshe says, it has to be specifically for things like Pekuach Nefesh and Pidyon Shvuyan. But um, if everyone would be a, give a chaymish that, even, even only a chaymish, not even more than that, I think that would be wonderful. <laughs> are there things that are possibly deductible, meaning we talk about gross versus net, someone has to pay for life insurance. Is that his expense that That's, is counted in before or after he a, takes my sin? You know, I, I've had people call me, and, and they have a very... They, they they kind of feel this whole thing it doesn't make there's no symmetry but basically this was the point someone called and he was like he was disturbed to the point where I said I, I'll check on you I'll call headquarters I called <laughs> my father on Torah. he's like this is the way it is but basically he's saying this he's saying if I accept uh, health insurance it's a similar point to your question if I accept health insurance from my company I take home less money then I give my sir from what I take home, mm-hmm. but now I don't have to pay health insurance. Mm-hmm. If I take health insurance personally, I take home more money, mm-hmm. but then I don't have a deduction for my health insurance. Good question. And my shver said, yeah, <laughs> that's how it is. There's, you know, there's always sometimes, it, that's how it is. What you take home, you take home. So you want to build it all into, you know, there's a wonderful Aruch HaShulchan that I found, and I showed it to people, and they're like, it doesn't make sense. He says that when you're going... I think I have it here. Misha nosa baderech yochel lenakois. We call masha ochel vishosa, and 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 a person's going going on a business trip, yeah, or even not. He has business. They they go out to eat for business meeting. They spend a fortune of money. Okay, now they take home less money. They're sitting and eating. <laughs> so if they wouldn't, they'd be sitting and eating in their home. It's not free either. So now their whole cheshbon gets throwing a ride because really I try to give people a formula. The whole formula just went out the window because then I have to start figuring out was it really for my business it was, right? It's a, it's a funny thing and anyone uh, who has access to an Aruch HaShulchan you know, one of the, one of the uh, great poets came in, uh, 19, in, uh, in Europe in recent Europe before the Muhammad from the Reish Mem Tess of Zion he says a person goes on a business trip all his food gets deducted and I was thinking you know what? A person goes on his business trip. He expenses his food. Does, does the investors have a tiner? I don't think so. No? Do you think the investors could take him to court or business and say, what's going on? He's eating on the company account. So this, this, this goes with our, our theory that, that, that Meister is part of, is they're just partners. They, they agreed to wait online. You know? Let me see if I brought it. Um, all right, if, uh, anyway, we don't have it in the office because, like I said, this is not a bismanish. But if you look into the near day, the Rishmam Tezav Zayin, you'll see the Shulchan says that the food and drink get deducted, and then you have Meister, which which is really helpful because I, I like to give a, a formula. I, I don't think 
if we're going to get too complicated, I don't think it'll be helpful. I think right. it would be counterproductive. People just throw the whole thing away. I'm looking at a lot of these questions, and I'm using your formula. I'm there like, you go. Oh, I, I can't <laughs> ask him that. I know the answer. I know the answer. What happens? It says here. What happens if a person makes money in one business, but then at the same time okay, loses so no, money in a that's different a very business? Good question. So there, here we got to okay. look. So here it gets very controversial. So we answered about if you make money and one kufa and then you mm-hmm. lose money. So then it depends on when you did the dividends, when you did the distribution. It's as simple as that. And I believe the Chavis says, Shafran, they say that. But the Chavis which is, again, I, I believe is like the father of modern deductions, written in the 1700s, he extends it to Asik Biyayan, Asik Betua, which essentially means you have an investment in real estate and, and you have a law firm. And that's right. Or you could have two separate businesses and you bought, you invest in a property and it doubles and you invest in a property and it gets wiped out. Mm-hmm. So now you have a question. He says you you just combine it. It's called my businesses. <laughs> That's what he says. Um, uh, there are those that take umbrage about that. So again, you have what to base it on, and I like that the symmetry exists. But this is controversial. That, that's already controversial because when you look at it really practically, when you make money in business A, those investors do get the money, and business B unfortunately gets wiped out, and business A has some a seat by the table called miser. And it's going to money. So he says, no, you don't look at it like that. But So that's a good question. We'll be right back to this week's episode. But first, a word from our friends at Approved Funding. And this word is coming to you live or quasi live in the studio with Shmuel Shiowitz in the flesh and blood. If you're watching on YouTube, you now get to see who he is. Uh, Shmuel, tell us a little bit about Approved Funding. And I have a question related to this week's episode. Well, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. You guys uh, really have an amazing studio, so it's a it's a it's a pleasure to be part of this process and this uh, um, this podcast with you. My name is Shmuel Shaiwitz. I've been in the real estate and mortgage business for over twenty years, and um, I've been through a lot of markets, highs and lows, and um, it's something that uh, I pride myself in being a very good advocate to people. And I realized early on in my career that a lot of people don't have the necessary handholding and guidance in this industry. So I really took it as a passion project to make sure that people really are um, given the right uh, guidance along the way to be able to uh, accomplish all of their real estate and and really mortgage objectives. You talk a a lot about discipline and how it applies to charity and in other facets of your life. Can you educate the audience a little bit about why that's so important? So it's a great question, it's a great topic, and uh, I'm glad you guys are really focusing on it with a specific episode. And um, what we see is that nobody really wants a mortgage. They they want the house, they want um, the certain things that a home brings with uh, a quality of life and, and uh, financial uh, opportunities and freedom and growth, um, community and, and whatever it may entail. Nobody wants the mortgage. So part of the mortgage and part of what I do to help people um, integrate that mortgage into their life is the budgeting and the discipline of A, knowing that what they can qualify for, what they could afford, and also preparing themselves for the day-to-day payments. The, the, the whole MICER notion, the whole notion of, from a firm perspective, putting aside the money that you know needs to go towards the MICER and it gets taken off the top is a tremendous opportunity for people to say, where else in my financial day-to-day, where else within my budget, can I look to incorporate the same discipline and the same uh, mechanism to be able to 
build wealth and, and maximize the equity in my home. So that's a great springboard for me to be able to talk to people who are already um, fiscally disciplined and, and put aside the money towards MICER and other things is a great conversation. And it, and it branches off into people prepaying their mortgage because they round up their payments or people saying, well, can I afford this? Um, how do I budget myself? Where do I cut? And and um, is this the right home for me? Should I be refinancing? All those things piggyback off of the discipline to be able to know how your payments work and how your monthly expenses um, are handled. So my monthly mortgage payment taxes, everything included, is about thirty three fifty a month, but I round up to thirty five hundred. When people call you up and say, "Hey, am I doing the right thing?" What do you usually tell them? So. As a good um, answer, I would say it really depends. My answer is always going to be it depends on the circumstance. It depends on the individual's particular um, specific unique situation. So I would need to know more from you in terms of what other bills, liabilities you have, um, what your goals are in, in towards doing that. A lot of people just say it's easy to round up, which is great. Absent anything else, if a person is completely debt free, um, sure, why not? But at the same time, can you use that money? With MICER, you know that money's going towards MICER. That's something that needs to be taken off the top. Mm -hmm. But with rounding up for mortgage, um, the money's going to the bank. So if somebody says, well, I know that if I pay extra, my 29-year balance or 28 years remaining will be shortened by six months, 12 months, a year or two, I say to them, well, is $150 a month worth more to you today over the next... 20 years versus giving it to the bank and paying off your mortgage sooner by two, three, four years. And and more often than not, a lot of people will say, well, never thought of it like that. Yes, I do have other expenses that I should be paying first. I have other debts. But even if somebody has no other debts, I would say, well, could you take the $1,800 a year and invest it in a stock, a mutual fund, something, a bond that would be doing better for you versus the mortgage? And that's where the conversation goes. And often the answer of, I should just round up my, my mortgage is not as one-dimensional as people think. To learn more about Shmuel and Approved Funding, visit approvedfunding.com slash mortgages. You're going to hear from Shmuel in future episodes. And now back to this week's episode. So what happens if a person makes money, later loses his money, he's yet to give Miser, does his obligation get wiped out? He didn't take it out of the business. He didn't take it out of the business or... What, is he an employee that took money and lost it? I, I guess let's talk about both. Let's okay, say he's employee, not... Employee really doesn't have a lot of questions because an employee is taking home a salary. But yeah, so he takes home a salary. Every time he takes home a salary, that's it. Yeah, he has but something... Then, but then he loses his job does, and then he has no money left. Okay. okay. I mean, or, so or, he had an investor in his, in his employment uh-huh. and now... And now he doesn't have employment, but no one gets the money back. The investor got his money. So he every still owes he the miser on, every t- even well, though he has no paycheck coming in now. Well, then he doesn't have an investment anymore. But when the money came in, it should have been diverted uh-huh. ninety to uh-huh. him, ten, and that that money you can't start reading now. Again, there's money in the miser account. You could line up. Right. You know that money is not exclusive to someone else. It could be yours, but you can't cancel the miser account. What other applications, what other questions are you posed that... There's also a whole slew of uh, residential questions. You know, mm-hmm. people, Baruch Hashem, in today's day and age, they support son-in-laws mm-hmm. in Kailo. And they want to know if they should, could take Meiser. And that's a good question. 
Um, and then the other question I get, and I get this more from the other side, from the son-in-laws. <laughs> and they're in Kailo, they, you know, and, um, and they want to know, and they're getting money from their father-in-law after they have to take Meiser. And what if the father says, are you out of your mind? I already mice that money. It's right, double sure, taxation. Sure, yeah. <laughs> right. um, it's interesting. You know, my father-in-law, I called him, uh, not so recently, a little while back, because I had this young man. He wanted to know if he had to, if he had to take mice. And he told me the most interesting formula. And I even called, I said, did I understand what you said? And this is what he said. I, I'm going to tell you what he said. He said like this. He said, you should know that when, uh, there's something called Bnei Beisoy, that Asai Michal Shulchan, right? You know, and we're using the Shulchan a table as a metaphorical, you know, the people in your family, they, 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 they rely on you. And, and you have children, and you give them money. And when your children of your house don't give miser. And you don't take, that's not considered miser. You don't take miser what you support your kids. Because this is one house. This is our money. And I know you say it's your money. You're the, you're the father. But it's, it's our money. It's the house's money, okay? Mm-hmm. So when the kids take money and they go to buy to the pizza shop, they're not taking my sir. And I'm not counting it from my sir. You understand? So he said a very fascinating thing. He said, when your daughter gets married, you could look at it two ways. You know, and they say this by seven brachets. And now we didn't lose a daughter, we got a son-in-law right <laughs> now. He said that you could look at it like that. You, your, your, your daughter, your house expanded, and they're saimich al shulchana, which means they're eating from your table. Mm-hmm. And it's not in a literal sense. Well, sometimes it is literally, but you're including them in your house. He said, you don't take off miser. And then they don't take off miser because they're not receiving outside support. They're fought. It's like your kid. It's like your kid. But if you do take off, you could, you could do it either way. You could take off miser and say, no, listen, you know, my daughter left the house. <laughs> it was good knowing you and we should, you know, come visit. But my daughter and my son-in-law are now, you know, they are on their own. But I want to help them. So I'm going to give as a, as a, not as a, as a non-member of the house, mm-hmm. I'm extending support, and therefore I'm taking my seat. This is a Tamil Chacham that needs, a, that needs help. I'm going to help him, because he's learning in Kyle, and he needs help to, to make it month to month. Okay. So you're using... I'm going to give Meiser. Your Meiser money I'm going to give my Meiser. I'm going to take it from my Meiser account, uh-huh. and I give it to them. Yeah, okay. Now, as soon as I do that, I identify them as, as, as a foreign matter to this house. Right. Then they have to take Meiser. Sure. They're receiving money right. from someone who... They're not, it's not just they're eating from their fridge anymore, from my fridge. They're separate. So he basically said like this. You could take a deduction, but then they have to take a deduction. So it's important that the couple in Eretz Yisrael knows where that money is coming <laughs> yeah, from. I know. And I asked this guy. His father was a very wealthy guy. And I asked him. I said, I said, do you know what your father-in-law does? And he's like, no. I'm like, are you going to find that? He's like, no. <laughs> not a chance. I'm asking right. him. He's like, this is not my Sounds business. Sounds like in that situation, he should just give the mice or be mafia, right. and everyone so, will be fine. But this is a very interesting thing. And this, I believe, is the first time I'm repeating this sock publicly. It's a uh-huh. very interesting sock. He said it can go either way. But if you are saving money because you're kind of taking it from your mice account, you're costing them money. They have to take mice on that. That's, um, that's a common child. Sometimes it's gifts. Gifts right. is a famous question. Um, the Yosef Aymitz says that the minig, again, this is minhogim. Because it's minhogim, it's somewhat flexible and it's, it's impossible to shlug me up. <laughs> because it's how you know. You know. Um, he says, Meister is on money, it's not on gifts. You understand? When you get a gift, it's not something that you got you to watch, you got to chasen You don't start taking it to an appraiser and start giving gifts. Gift certificate to Eichler's? That's. Uh... That sounds like a, 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 a 
Svar, I mean, you just choose. I don't. Uh, is it redeemable for money? Probably not. Probably not. No. Right. So, so in that case, not, it would not be. It would not be. Right. Exactly. So, so it's it's really on. Um, it's really only on money. Now, sometimes a Ramesha has a case where a person was giving money to his son-in-law, and his son-in-law was miser, and he said the father-in-law can have a hakpada. The, I'm, and again, this comes into our previous discussion. I'm paying your rent. Understand? <laughs> now, what's going to happen? You're going to give miser. What are you going to do? I'm going to have to basically give you more. Mm-hmm. So I'm giving to you all tonight. This goes for rent. So there's different ways how to understand it. You can look at it almost like that money's rent. I'm not giving you money. I'm paying your rent. Right. You know, so it's like not a non-monetized gift. When you really lock it, I'm buying you a car. So you're a person. You have a right to choose your own car. So here's the money, and this is how much it would cost. How much does it cost? Okay, here's the money. Uh-huh. So is that a monetized gift or a non-monetized gift? So if I'm giving it to you for a car and if you wouldn't use it for a car, I'd be makbid. Right. You know, and I get this many times that people get, you know, from older relatives, they got a gift and it, it was kind of earmarked for something. But if you have the lot lateral um, flexibility not to use it for that, then, then you have a, a you know, a, a liquid gift. But if it's like, no, 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 it has to go for that. So then you could look at it like, I bought you that car. And right. then it's not, it's not liquid gift. If someone were to get a bond when, by the bar mitzvah of $1,000 and it matures in 30 years to $1,500, whatever it is, right. they would have to give a tenth when they receive that bond and then I don't a tenth think so. I don't think it's a, it's a good question. You can't buy stuff with that, right? No. You have to. No, okay, I mean, so then it's unless a non- it has, Unless it has right, monetary right, value. Right, right. So that it. goes into our discussion that when you monetize, you get a piece of real estate. You when when you sell it and whatever you got from that, uh, that that's uh, what you give my on. One question we get a lot is tuition, and practically anyone I ask, I get a different answer in terms of really. <laughs> no, not not necessarily abundant, but how people are doing. You know how people themselves are looking at it. Right. Are they taking tuition? Some say yes on this, but not on that. You know the dinner bill. I. I I do because it's extra and you know there's no concrete answer out there if you were to ask 10 people I think you would get multiple different answers because there's a lot of different variable of cases mm-hmm. um, Ramesha lays down a very clear um, premise how he looks at it and I think by and large it's accepted and that is a person has to put his kids in school and oh, you know I should have mentioned this anytime you have some some obligation out of the parameters of the terms of Meiser, then you can't count Meiser. So let's say I have a mitzvah to give Matanas Lav Yainim. And that's a mitzvah on us, on Purim, to give money to the poor. A certain amount, Machsa Shekel, whatever it is, that you can't use Meiser. Meiser is money that would have gone to your pocket. That's a very basic idea. When you have an obligation to give, that's not Meiser. Meiser means... So, I have to... I have to school my kids. So what are your options? You can't send to public school because we as from you didn't have to have, you know, we're not going to do it and we're not allowed to do it. Not, public schools are not from people. It's not an environment. So you can't get free schooling. So what are you going to do? You're working. What are you doing? So the answer is you have to hire people. You have to hire people to teach your kids. Now, whatever you're obligated to do, when I say you have to, I mean, you have to, and, and we'll have that. So, what you're obligated to do, you can't count for Meiser. That's very simple. So, now, 
what could we compromise? And the answer is, well, anything above what I'm obligated to do. They call me to give uh, help with the dinner, and they call me for the, the building fund. If they obligate me on the building fund, I'm stuck with that, too. I have to. It's all part of the, my kid's obligation, my kid's my obligation to educate my kid. It's basically rolled into tuition. It's just a new line item. It's the same thing, right? I recommend people should try to get as cheap as my uh, cheapest tuition as they can, not to save money, not to save money, but everything above what they're obligated to do, you can count for miser. So some some of these out of town places that I'm familiar with have like really really high um, my, high tuition, and then they let you reduce it, and they do that for people who could afford it. They will just pay. You know, it's like kind of the hotels have these rack rates. You familiar with this? It's hotels like they're not allowed to. They're not allowed to, it's, it's like price gouging, right? Mm-hmm. So you know what they do, right? So hotels want to be able to charge $3,000 when, when the Super Bowl's in town, mm-hmm. but they're not allowed to do it. So they say, okay, all rooms are $3,000, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. And then they let you negotiate down. But when, 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 they, when, they, when, they ha- when they could and when they could get 3000 they go up to their rack rate. I kind of feel like sometimes the, the yeshivas do that. They, they really inflate it. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not talking about any specific community, but I've seen this, where the tuition is $25,000, mm-hmm. $30,000, which is really, really high. And between me and you, very likely more than the cost of my kid, mm-hmm. right? So, so now when I pay it, I can't count my sin. So what I recommend you do is say, how much does my kid cost? <laughs> you know, they're never going to give you that answer. It no, I've tried. You've tried, right? They're never going to give you the answer. So what, what I would recommend you do is say, listen to me. Whatever you're asking, I'm going to try to pay. But I'm obligating myself eight grand, ten grand. That's how my kid's going to cost you. I'm obligating, and I'm going to try, believe me, if I can, to pay 25 grand. But my obligation is 10 grand. Now, that, now the school is going to say, well, how can we trust you? And the answer is, if you can't trust me, you can't trust me, and I'm supposed to trust you. You can trust me, right? This should be, you know, they always say there should be trust. Well, there should be trust, right? <laughs> also, you should just know, you can tell the school, if I can't pay, I'm not going to pay anyways. I can tell you 25 grand. If I can't pay, I'm not going to pay, <laughs> right? So what are you going to do? Throw me in jail? I'm going to try. So... What you should try to do is get it as low as possible to what your kid cost. Now, if you could do that, everything above that is nicer. Mm-hmm. So then, you know, and um, that's what I recommend. So that's why there's so many different answers. Ultimately, the school says, listen, you want to get into our school, you're obligated. We're not giving off. You're obligated, and you have to say, I'm accepting this obligation. Sign. I'm obligated $25,000. Now you want to know, can I count some of it to MISA? It's a very hard question because you're obligated, but it's really not fair because basically I'm obligating myself to give kind of stuck. I'm helping the school and I can't deduct it, you know? So Someone asked about uh, pre-giving of MISA and I thought it was a simple answer, but based on some of the things you said, maybe it's not, this idea that I'm going to receive $100 on Friday, today's yeah. Sunday. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give $10 now in advance of receiving that money. Uh, of course. So basically what we're doing is we're fronting money to the investors. Of course. But, but, <laughs> but, but the obligation only comes when I'm monetizing it. So, And it's a minug, of course, so we're, it's a little bit out of play. But like the, the chiv or, or this obligation is not really right. in So play. what happens is Meister owes, you, you, owes you money. Basically, you lend money to Meister. Uh-huh. It's an entity. Uh-huh. So Meister owes me money. Now, when I make money, then we release the loan. That's uh-huh. basically how you look at so it. So if someone was to accidentally pay $1,000 more one year... You could definitely lend money to Meister. Uh-huh. Definitely lend money. My, my father always say for Meister Eichmann, if you could borrow money and you could lend money in business, you could do it for Meister. You could borrow money for Meister. I mean, obviously, you have a way to pay back and like that, but... Um, you could lend money for Meiser. What about um, Alias and Shul and pledges? Very good question. Very good question. Community you know, you memberships. Yeah. Sukkis or Pesach. 
um, and the shuls are very aware that the Americans are there with money to spend. Okay. <laughs> and they hang up big signs, and the signs say that you know all the all many many people sign on to this that all aliyahs can be used for maisa. <laughs> it's it's an interesting sack, but it's really it's niskabel. That's the way it is. Which basically what we're saying is, when you get an aliyah and you pledge money, essentially you're pledging money and. You're happy to pledge the money, and as a th- you know, as a freebie, they throw in an aliyah. But, but um, th- there's a, a lot of people that are annoying that these type of things, they they um, they do count meiser for aliyahs and things like that. What about a kiddush and shul, which you're partaking from, and you know, a you're going to benefit from? Now we're stretching. A k- I mean, a what do you mean? No, no, because there's a shul sponsorship. Uh, sponsor Shal Shudas for $150. It's a Sudas Mitzvah? I mean, what's happening here? Sudas Mitzvah, we're making Kiddush. Um, and, and is there an Afghanistan? I'm saying the money's of, going to where? The money's going to the Kiddush. The money's, what, going, the money's going to the shul. Shul's making the money? Shul? No, the shul's going to. You're gonna, paying for the herring and the bourbon. Correct. That the uh, what, shul. See, this is a good example. I, I would hope you, your mindset goes to better places. <laughs> <laughs> right. What are you doing? You're paying for, right. for herring and bourbon? Right. You know, I, I would think, I would like for it to go, you know, to... I'm, I'm, I, the, the rush doesn't speak about this. Doesn't the rush speak speaks about, about giving to Amelia Tyra, Amelia Tyra, people toiling in Tyra. It doesn't, doesn't speak about kiddish. No, no, no not bourbon, bourbon <laughs> or kiddish. <no. laughs> you know, so... Um, listen, if this is the closest you're going to get to Yiddish kind as a kiddish, then right. I, I understand. Right. I got everything, everyone can feel their values. But um, no, I, I wouldn't do that. Right. So that was, um, we've been recording now for an hour. Oh, wow. That was pretty much all the questions I fielded about Meister. Did we miss anything before we veer off into uh, barbershops and uh, haircuts and barbershops? Um, kosher lamps and other, other halachic questions that yeah, people I have. Get, you know, in. I want to say something. It's yes. very important. This is not Meister, but this is stalker related. Um, this comes up a lot, and I'm, this is this is a public service public service announcement. The the Torah tells you that Torah tells us that when you usually with monetary affairs, until you give someone a thing, it's not his, it's yours. It's a transaction. You can make the Kenya Mashiach or whatever it is. If I say I'm going to give you and I change my mind, it's still my money. When it comes to tzedakah, the pichu which means if I say I'm going to give that person, I'm gonna, uh, someone calls me, could you donate money? And I say yes, that's it. That money is his money, if it's Daka. Now, this leads to many, many, many issues, because sometimes you uh, say you're going to give someone, and then you can't find his number, and then you can't track him down, it doesn't come, you know. Or it could be as easy as you, you put money towards a mashulach, and he doesn't see you, and he left the shul, and, and now you're holding his money. And these shiles come up again and again and again, where people are menadev to give money, they can't find the envelope. They, 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 well, they just don't do it. They, they forget, unfortunately. And the other guy doesn't want to be a nudnik. Oh, he forgets too. He doesn't follow up. And you promised money you don't give. And it could be as simple as going by an aliyah and you make a mishabayach and you say you give money because you're in Ashul somewhere and you don't give it. You just you, reminded me, I actually have to give go. $100 donation. See, that, that's what I'm saying. This is a public yeah. service announcement. Yeah. So, my rabbi say, a person, this is, I heard this from my father-in-law also many times. And recently, um, I don't remember. My daughter had a question about this. I said, oh, to call Zadie. He's very into these type of questions. And right away, my, 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 my father-in-law said, you, right now, you, you, say, you line up three people, and you say, from this day and on, you could, when I say I'm giving money, it's not done until they get it. You understand? You could, you could kind of default 
out of that picha with tzedakah. Uh-huh. Now, there's that default, but it's a default. When you say you're giving money, it's his. I'm saying like this. When I say I'm giving money, I plan on giving money. It's not your money until you get it. And you make like a little of a buffer because it happens all the time. And I remember, okay, whatever. I'm not going to go through all the stories. This happened, but it happened to me. It happened to many other people. They called me and they can't. They can't find out who it was. And I say, okay, I can't help you, you know. But moving forward, disclaim that because it's we live in too much of a complicated world. And back in the day, you just knew who was coming. And he's, he's you know, the, the, unfortunately, he's the the, the nitzrich of the shtat. We live in such an interconnected world that people just come and go, and then that's it. You know, so uh, that's a public service announcement. If you get an opportunity, you should make a disclaimer. When I say I'm going to give money, and when I say I plan on giving money, or I pledge to give money, it's not considered to be an ownership of the receiving moisid or nitzrich, uh, meaning the person who needs it or the institution. It's not theirs until they get it. Okay, it's just I plan on doing it. You mentioned last time the car sharing rental app, Turo. 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 And you said, I think verbatim, this was happening right under my nose and I didn't know about it. There is this new uh, buy now, pay later phenomenon, which is... Affirm? Like what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I do wonder. I'm just letting you know this is a thing, so that right. if there are any halachic well, applications to it, there definitely is. Yeah. If it's owned by Yidden, but I don't know if it's owned yeah. by Yidden because it's going to be basically ribis. I don't want you to come back right. in 2025 right. and say, you know, but but this is really, you know, like okay. PayPal and all that. This is right. the, their big oh, thing. They're like putting it in now, they're, yeah. they're layering it yeah. into the main payments. Correct. Yeah. Like, don't think about the money. You'll you'll give us the money in six months. Oh, if you don't pay, it'll end up being a lot more. But well, you're going to have to bring other people who are more of the budgeters to. to Recommended. That's a good idea. Now. Right. No, only it's, spend it's, money you have. Correct. It's a terrible idea. <laughs> you know, I'll tell you that. Oh. But but there might be halakhic applications. There might be to that. applications because yeah. there might be ribbons and other things. The new book. Right. And and we will put your uh, link to your um, Shabbos and Commerce uh, book. Okay. Thank in, you. In the link and and we'll put your email address. Um, feel free to email Rabbi Kushner all your questions okay. whether it relates to mice or not. Um, I did want to go through a couple of other things. I know the kosher lamp was a big one for us um, last time, and we just stuck it in. And the same way I want to stick in, you know, when someone walks into a barbershop, what are a few things that they should keep in mind? Because no one one in yeshiva ever hears from their Rebbe. That's so funny you bring this up. Bring it up because it's something that... I want to tell you something. I want to tell you something. It's the funniest thing you bring this up because this is like my thing in shul. You know, unfortunately, sometimes people come from different communities and I'm not blaming any other communities and are you talking about pace and yeah. they're, they're completely it's like a style it used to be back in the day we'll have to right. blur it my used to be back in the day people that were balding there was like the big weave you yeah, know yeah, the, yeah. the spider weave it looks right, like you're right. being close but conscious. now it's like you just go clean right which I'm not we're not weighing in on that look right now this right. is not but what we are saying is is that you have to be able to hold the hair. It's your chalitvais. And mm-hmm. now, when, we'll start parsing what that is. But there are people that walk in. It is shiny clean, their head, their, the side right, of their head. Moreover, right. Rabbi that's an Issa de Raisa. And it, I'll tell you what bothers me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, you know, this is, um, it, you know, it really bothers me. It bothers me that they do that. But it, it bothers me that they're doing a de Raisa and they walk in and out of shul and no one says anything. Uh-huh. That really what bothers me. Uh-huh. That, that's what bothers me. The guy comes in and out of shul, no one says anything. I, I think to myself, it's a little of a chil Hashem. Someone should say something. So I sometimes do go over to people, and uh, I try not to be confrontational. 
and I say, listen, I, I don't, you, I don't know quietly. Me. Yeah, quietly. Yeah, yeah, I say, I don't know who you are, and you don't know who I am, and they're like, I know who you are, you're Krishna. <laughs> you know, like, it's, like, it's okay, fine. You know who I am. I don't know who you are. I don't know anything about you, and I have no problem with you, and I love you, and I want to just tell you something. What you're doing is 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 pashtus, which means according to the main standards of how we understand it, you're shaving too close. Being everyone, it's a derisa. I said, and I'm not judging you, but I just felt it wouldn't be right if you come to shul and leave shul, no one says that. So I'm saying, I'm not telling you what to do, and I'm not here. People get very sensitive. I just didn't feel it was right that no one should say something, you know? And and that, because it bothers me, you know? Imagine, imagine this on a practical level. Imagine um, your father has has a certain hakpada, a certain, you know, certainly he's makbed on. It's very important to him. Let's say how a person has to behave in the house and then one of the kids just completely flaunts it it's inappropriate for the other kids say you know you know in front of daddy in front of your father you don't do that and and that's what i feel like I, you know and, and it bothers me and i'm, I'm not talking about everyone has their challenges right? but this bothers me that guy's walking in out of shul no one says anything every shul has to have someone appointed who knows and i'm not saying i do it in the best way but no one else is willing to do it so if no one else i do it and i say listen i'm not here to judge you but I felt it wasn't right that no one should say something. So I'm saying something. If you can, leave a little. Just leave mm-hmm. a little, you know, to the point that it's even a Shiloh. Then I won't say anything. Right, right, right. <laughs> Next time they come back, they have right. these festa oh, sideburns. <laughs> Positive effect. Um, I, I wanted to get back to the kosher lamp because we yeah. randomly spoke about it last time. Yes. and People I spoke appreciated about the couch. Okay. What all, did you know. say? And okay, first of all, I don't know why you asked me about the kosher. Yeah, the same way I don't know why I asked you about the barbershop. I know it's called kosher <laughs> yeah. money, and I was speaking about commerce and Shabbos yeah, and, yeah. and halachas of commerce, and somehow the word kosher got adapted into the kosher lamp. Yeah, and at the time I said that kosher lamp is fine, but you can't move in the lamp. Right, and I had no idea that this is a highly emotional issue brewing under <laughs> under, <laughs> and in many people's houses, it's very important to them that they move the kosher lamp. <laughs> and I had no idea this was brewing. <laughs> Understand? And that's one of the main things. So I'm going to speak about this now. The Gemara says you can't move a, a candle. Okay, there's a question about a nair, uh, uh, um, a lamp. Okay, a lamp is, is might be a keli. Why a candle is not a keli? A keli, a klishim lachle is so you let him move the tzarech dava mutter. So, if you have, I'm just going to give an exact clear thing. If you have scissors, scissors are used for iser, for mm-hmm. kilkel, for cutting. So, you, scissors are muktzah. Scissors muktzah. Scissors muktzah. Now, let's say you're allowed to use the scissor because you have a, a ices and there's no words, and you can open it to eat it on Shabbos. Mm-hmm. Are you allowed to use it with the scissors? The answer is yes. It's a klishim lachle iser using the tzarech dava mutter. There's a big question. Why is a lamp? Why is a candle not a keli? And it'll be much less of a muksa. And this is a mystery. To be sure, it's not clear why it's like that. But a candle is considered muksa gufa. You can't move it. Now, does the, a, a bulb have the same halacha? Now, I, that's controversial. Reb Moshe has different shuvas, and in one of the shuvas, he seems to say that you can move a bulb and a lamp and things like that. And in certain shuvas, he says you shouldn't. Okay, I believe the Midian Klyasro is a is standard meaning, unless you know you're a Talmud or a Moshe and you heard he said you could do it yes there are people who say for a Moshe that you could do it there's one Shuvah he says you shouldn't and there's one Shuvah says you could there are people who say they thought for a Moshe you could do it and if you're from those people then I'm not talking to you I understand that but the vast vast majority of Klyasro does not move flashlights 
And if you're from those people, I'm just saying, you shouldn't move your kosher land. That's all I'm saying. I don't mean to get into the controversy and families were splitting up about this. <laughs> and I wasn't, I didn't know about this. Right. This whole thing was one of those controversies that was like undertone and then it like blew up and I get so much like very emotional mail about this. <laughs> <laughs> no, I kicked a hornet's nest. <laughs> you know? That's awesome. Yeah. What are, you know, let's spend the last couple of minutes just talking about some of the questions you feel that Latuelis Rabim you think it's important for people to know. We spoke about barbershops and kosher lambs, and we did a whole episode here on Meiser. Um, but, and, and I do know, I did search your name on uh, the podcast apps you've done with the with the VAD. Yeah, the VAD, You right. have a, the a podcast there, the Beis HaVad. The Beis yeah. Um, which is amazing. I'm, I'm you know what, I, we discussed, I'm going to say something. We, yeah. we discussed formulas. I'm going to give you, a, I'm going to give everyone, a, I get a lot of questions and it's impossible to go through the, the specifics of each one, because each, each question, I'm talking about Cheshem Mishpat, um, people dealing in mo- inter-monetary questions, but I want to give a formula, which I think is a very important formula. I've said this once. I thought around. you were going to baby formula. No, 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 a formula. Question. No, no, yeah. I want to give a, a, like a formula people could take a home. It's a recipe, yeah. And, and it's an important one, and you should ask yourself, this is going on in your life. You know, a lot of times, and especially in today's business world, and whatever you do, there's a lot of overlap in people's money. An example, if, if, you're, if you're a real estate manager, you, you have money going through this account that you're managing. It's someone else's money. It's the owner of the, of the building. And there's certain discretionary things you have about how you, how you, and then, and how you spend that money. And, and, and whatever business you do, if, if you're in marketing, you, you have a certain leeway how, how to spend this money and how to charge it and things like that. Um, and uh, if you're a builder, you're building, you're building, you're charging him for, your, for the cost plus. And then there's a lot of questions because you get it on sale and you don't forward the, you don't forward the sale to him because this is the normal. I worked hard. I, I went through dance deals. You thought I didn't have to. So I did it to save my own money and these type of questions. I want to just give a, a, a recipe that people should know. When you find yourself in any monetary dealings with someone else, and you have 18 reasons why what you're doing is 100% okay. And uh, people call me and they ask the shout and they start explaining and they start justifying why what they're doing is okay. And this is only the one question to ask them. It's okay, yeah? You have a right to do it? Okay, so tell them. Tell them. And they won't tell them. They won't tell the other guy what they're doing. And you know why? Because the other guy won't be masking. They're hiding it from him. And I, can I give an example? Sure. I'm, I'm going to give an example. I'm going to give an example because this happened uh, a little while back. You have a... Uh, a manager who's managing someone's real estate and he has the utilities, he's in charge of paying the utilities in the real estate. The way he does it, he pays it on his credit card, but these commercial accounts, they charge 2% extra if you put it on a credit card because these are massive bills. Now, he's getting points. His points is about 1.2%. It's a net loss, Mm -hmm. but he's paying with the owner of the building's account. You understand? So the owner of the building has rent going into an account. He's managing it. The, the, the utilities come. It could be twenty thirty thousand dollars $30,000 a month, right? Puts it on his card. He gets twenty thirty thousand dollars $30,000 a month of points. And then he pays it. That guy just lost 2%. So he was, he came up in a conversation. I said, you know what? If I own that building, I'd have a problem with what you're doing. First, at least let that guy get credit card. I said, you could pay it straight with a wire. You could pay it ACH. You could pay it. There won't be a 2% fee. He's like, yeah, but I'm the manager and I have a right to do it. I said, you do have a right to do it? Okay, good. So then tell him. <laughs> no, nah, I won't tell him. I'm just telling you this. If you won't tell him, it's usually because all your justification will go out the window. Right. Because it's his money. He has a right to say, you know what? The laws of Chesh Mishpat are negotiable. But you got to negotiate. You could say, I won't be a manager if you don't let me do it. 
And he has the right to say, fine, I'll find a new manager. Or he has the right to say, fine, I'll do it. But he can't negotiate what he doesn't know. And that's not fair. And this happens in so many different cases. So we are now giving right here, in the kosher money room, the golden rule of interpersonal chayshimish particular things. Because how I know the laws are so complicated. But how do you know when you have a question? You know when you have a question... <laughs> When you're doing something that's important that the guy on the other side of the table won't know, it usually means you're stealing. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what it usually means. It usually means stealing because as soon as you'll find out, it'll be like, what in the world? Mm-hmm. What do you mean, what in the world? You just told me 18 reasons. Start to, start, start listing off the reasons. I'll say, jump on the lake. I'm not masking to do this. Mm-hmm. I, this is a negotiation. I'm not masking. So so that's a golden rule. I'm telling uh, the island in interpersonal, in, in almost any business you have, there's going to be things, people have leeway, people... People trust you, and they're not going to audit everything, and they're not going to audit every bill. And it leads to a situation where justification happens. Whatever you want to feel you're doing right, I, I, I give you full credit that, that you're doing right. But just let the guy know. That's it. Okay, not, that's how we end, my Rabbi Yosef. Another <laughs> explosive, pun intended, episode with Rabbi Yosef Kushner. Thank, Thank you, you very much. Go ahead. All right. Time flies. I can't Time believe flies. it was so yeah, fast. It was one uh, hour and 20. Wow. All right. Very good. Send Zavi my best. Yes, I will. Can I give you anything for the road? No, no, no. It's on time. And that's a wrap. Another episode of Kosher Money is in the books. We hope you enjoyed. If you enjoyed, stop what you're doing. Call up your mother and say, Ma, this episode is fire. If you don't want to do that, that's fine. Head to YouTube. Like the video, subscribe to our channel, leave a comment. If you're listening on a podcast and you're not really one of those people who leave a review, leave it anyway. It's free and it helps us. It helps us. It helps our sponsors. It helps get this information into the hands of more people or into the ears. Thank you to Approved Funding. Thank you to Cole Chabad. We couldn't do it without you. I'm excited about next episode, and I'm excited about the next season. I'm excited about the next decade of Kosher Money. If you're just joining us for the first time, Living L'Chaim has many shows. Inspiration for the Nation. That's an issue. Really cool upcoming series on not just mental health, but therapy. I said too much. We'll see you next time. I'm Ellie Langer, and peace. Living L'chaim.